provocative to some people, apparently. <laughs> uh, despite the fact that I think that we've already proven our point, um, uh, that the book of Leviticus has, in a kind of indirect way, full reference to Jesus Christ our Lord. And, and the job of the teacher, the job of the student, is to see in these scriptures. I am not one uh, to see that in these scriptures. I am not one to uh, those who hold to, and they're radical, frankly, that the Old Testament is no longer, you shouldn't read it, shouldn't study it, or anything. No, it's quite the opposite. We need to study it. We need to look into it and to see how God communicated the truths of Jesus Christ and his ministry in the Old Testament. Before we do that, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning again, as always, in need of your help. We ask, dear Father, that you help us with our minds, hearts, as we look into these things that you had um, inspired in writers, yay, thousands of years ago. We ask that you help us to understand them, to draw out the meaning to us, as particularly as it is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless us as we study, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So I've already shared the title of today's lesson with some folks here, but I'm going to test your memory. I have entitled it, I Fight Authority, But Authority Always Wins. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> John Cougar Mellencamp, years ago, um, a long time ago. When, uh, let me say a little, a little bias, if, if you will allow me. Back in the day when lyrics actually had some sort of meaning, okay, <laughs> uh, and um, it was kind of an interesting uh, song, I Fight Authority and Authority Always Wins. We're going to be reading this chapter, and chapter 18 is all about sexual relationships and those kinds of things. What is prohibited, what is allowed, and so forth and so on. There are some major um, uh, differences between this and what we've previously studied. If you remember, we made the case that at chapter 16, there's a dividing point in this book, very much like the Apostle Paul's writings in Romans. If you remember, uh, the first, um, uh, the major part of the book of Romans is, is chock full of theology and doctrine. And then, he changes his approach and talks about the, the application of those principles in life. This is true here. We have that kind of a transition at chapter 16. And uh, chapter 18 deals, uh, you're going to find it familiar if you have discussions with, uh, what, atheists, your unbelieving friends, uh, as I do on Quora and stuff. There's a lot of familiar quotations in here they hate this chapter and anything it has to do with it because it condemns get this 
homosexuality. <gasps> really? Yes, it's very clear. Um, and, but they don't want to hear that. Mm-mm, buddy. To the modern mind, these things in, in chapter 18 are uh, what? Uh, myth. I think that's a common word that they use. It's mythological stories. And it's not true at all. But anyway, let's prepare for our study by reading some of this. I'll probably read it through um, chapter 18, or excuse me, verse 18 to start with, and then we'll finish uh, a bit later maybe. Uh, verse, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God, I'll return to that in a minute. The history of mankind is fighting authority and authority always wins. John Cougar was right. According to the do, uh, doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwell, they came out of there, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan, the one that you're going to, where I am bringing you, you shall not do, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. Both sides, where they came from and where they're going. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. That's getting redundant, isn't it? I'm joking. It is redundant. He's repeated it, and it'll appear time after time through these writings. And then he begins in earnest. The nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. Uncovering the nakedness of it, it means to have sexual intercourse with. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife you shall not uncover in case it's not his, um, uh, the, the, the child's mother. He might, uh, might be a step-parent. It is your father's nakedness. It belongs to him. The nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father, or the daughter of your mother, whether born at home or elsewhere, their nakedness you shall not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, their nakedness you shall not uncover, for theirs is your own nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife's daughter begotten by your father, she is your sister. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. She is near of kin to your father. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is near to kin to your mother. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother, you shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. 
You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter, nor shall you take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover their, her nakedness. They are near of kin to her. It is wickedness. That's, I'm going to read the rest of it because it's all related. Also, you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is in her customary impurity, her menstrual period. Moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. Oops. I believe that's one of the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Yeah, there it is. And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire uh, to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God and then it says it again, I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. There it is. My atheist friends just went crazy. They don't like to hear that. Nor shall you mate with any animal to defile yourself with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Do not defile yourself with any of these things, for by all these the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. I'm throwing them out. For the land is defiled. <clears throat> Therefore, I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land, oh, I love this, vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you. For all these abominations the men of the land have done, who were before you, and thus the land is defiled. Lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it, as it vomited out the nations that were before you. For whoever commits any of these abominations, the persons who commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore, you shall keep my ordinance so that you do not commit any of these abominable customs which are committed before you, which were committed before you, and that you not defile yourself by them. Finish the chapter I am the Lord your God. Thus my title. I fight authority and authority always wins. Guys, we as Christian people have authority in our lives. The authority that we honor is that of the Lord Jesus Christ of God and his word as communicated to us. Is that's pretty important to me. One of the, uh, the, one of the most uh, engaging arguments that I engage in that uh, calls for a lot of patience is about, by what authority do you say that, my atheist friends say? And I say, God and the Bible. 
Well, what, what, what good is that? Anybody can say, you, you got your view and we've got mine, right? I've got mine. The issue of authority and that which rules and guides us is one of the most important arguments, if you're going to make an argument. What's the difference between the authority that we follow in God and what the world follows? What are the sources of authority? In America, it's law, right? And yet, let me ask you, does anybody ever argue about the meaning of law? Oh boy. <laughs> I can think of nothing that doesn't have ten arguments against it. Law does not satisfy this authority. It provides some sort of, <clears throat> what shall you say, balance among a people, like in the United States, if we honor the law. And yet they keep changing it. The law changes all the time. By what authority? And why does it change? Why does it need to be changed? All of those things we have to ask. And by what standards? From where? And whence do we derive our guidance in terms of these principles of living? We Christians know it is the word of God. Final, complete. But it has one more property that makes the difference. In the world, all things are subjective. Pretty much. Nothing is objective. If you're going to establish a just laws, like in our country, you must have an objective source of morality. That is to say that it doesn't change from here to here. It must be objective. That must stand outside. It must, I'll use another word, transcendent. It has to rise above the human experience. You can't just go out and start making rules. You have to relate to some objective standard. We have one. Problem solved. We could wish, eh? <laughs> the problem is solved for us, but not for human beings. And not for the world. This does not, and yet it meets the standard that is required. It is objective, transcendent, stands outside of the world. It is God. And he is communicating to us the standards by which we should follow. The world can't claim that. The world would argue all day long, and they have already. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination, but not in the United States, not in Europe, not in uh, uh, various places around the world. It is now legal to do that. By whose authority? 
Man fights God's authority. We fight authority, and authority always wins. Okay, so John Cougar Mel saying that. At least he was thinking. And I guarantee you that all you have to do is read the Bible, and you're going to find out authority always wins. Proper authority, that is. The authority of God always wins. He's righteous, holy, eternally. And we have a standard that no one else has. It's solid as a rock. And we don't have to rebel against it. And when we do, we get in trouble just like the Israelites did and just like those who went into the land did and out of the land of Egypt. See, now you're getting a little bit of insight into why God judged the Egyptians because they were guilty of all these things. Yeah. And, and so it seems like that Left alone, without God and without the standard, the objective standard of the Holy Scriptures, and without the Word of God, man seems to fight authority all the time. If there's a law that says stop at this stop sign, <laughs> forget that one. <laughs> uh, People run stop signs now like it was absolutely nothing. I'm just using it. I, I, I understand. I don't want to make a big issue of it. But I'm, I'm using it as an illustration that in a world like ours, even laws don't matter really in the end. They're often broken easily. But authority will always win. You were bought with a price. Put it in common parlance. God to us, Christians. I own you. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. That's what he's talking about right here. We are to conduct ourselves in society in a way that honors God. Marriage has been and always will be, as far as I'm concerned, a matter between a man and his wife. But there are exceptions to that. Sometimes wives or husbands die. Am I right? And people do remarry, and the Bible seems to allow that. But... When they're not, these things are true. These things are like authoritative. You don't lie with a man, uh, uh, as, uh, with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. You know what my atheists say, my atheist friends? He doesn't use the word homosexual. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, it doesn't take a rocket science uh, scientist to understand that's what he's talking about. He's even using descriptive language. It's actually better than the word homosexual because if I use the word homosexual, they say, well, wait a minute, there has two or three meanings to the word homosexual. 
they just keep running, keep running, keep running um, uh, away from the authority of God. And that's what this chapter is about. We see it as being about um, um, sexual relationships and those that are prohibited, those that are allowed, and so forth and so on. But underneath it all, it has this authority issue. This is about God's authority as it comes down in everyday living. He has authority. We are to honor God with our bodies. The New Testament affirms that time and time again. And so that's what this is all about, authority rather than just the sexual things. I do want to say one thing, and this is really a big change in here. If you remember back in the previous chapters, we were talking about all the remedies to um, uh, uh, ritual uncleanness. And that many times ritual uncleanness didn't involve anything sinful. It didn't. Uh, 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 um, uh, a woman's menstrual period made her unclean for the ritual, uh, for the uh, tabernacle and so forth. It wasn't sinful. But now we're talking sin and you will notice there's no remedy. There's no ram. There's no bull. There's nothing to clean away moral evil. Interesting. I think it's purposeful, frankly. And it points what? It causes you to say, well, how, how then do I deal with my moral sins? It's only one way. One way. And one way only. Jesus Christ. He has redeemed us. He has bought us with a price. We belong to him. And we are to follow his dictates. That may sound strong. But for I for one, I'm going to follow my Lord. He loves me. He saved my miserable soul. I'm going to follow him and do what he says. He is my authority. He stands outside the human experience. God is objective. God is perfect and holy. And the standard should relate to that, not to human laws. But there's another source of authority that I run into all the time. Well, you have your views and I have mine. Right? You know, you've run into that. What they're saying is, I have the authority to make my own rules. But, I, but you don't, I tell them. No, not at all. You can't decide, for instance, just because it might be socially acceptable to kill all the Jews. But they did that in Germany. And the people stood by. I'm not saying that everybody bought into that, but they stood by and let that happen. The people of Germany did. They made their own rules. 
And what did it do? God vomited, the land vomited its people out of it. And Germany spent the next half a century in shame. God will not tolerate forever your sins and your what? Aggressive objection to his rule. God is God. I am the Lord. I am the Lord your God. From I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I'm reading here five, six times in this chapter. I don't have to remind you guys. You guys know. I, I, this, I'm not here to get you to do that. You're already abiding, uh, abiding by these laws. But the authority undermines all of these relationships. They are secondary, frankly, to the authority that is being administered here. I am the Lord your God, the text says. And so that is the objective standard by which we are to judge all matters by God's word. Aren't we glad? This certainly makes life a lot easier, doesn't it? You got a question about something? Go to the word of God. Explore it. Read it. Study it. Search it out. And you'll get solid godly direction. Because God is our authority in all matters, even matters of sexuality. Just as it says here. Look at all these things here. Incest of all sorts. You know, just awful. Uh, even sex with animals. Don't, don't kid yourself, it's, it's out there. In America, it's out there. Uh, when you think about it, uh, the, the, uh, verse 23 uses a word, which I think is rightly translated from the Hebrew. It is perversion. So is homosexuality. All of those things are perversions. Romans chapter 1 says it. And I often, in arguing about that whole thing, I'll list the descriptors from Romans chapter 1. There's about 12 of them, I think. Correct, 11 or 12. And they all are not pretty words. Perversion being one of them, unnatural being another ungodly, unclean, it's just a whole series of words about homosexuality and the like. And so uh, God manages our behaviors. He expects us to follow his dictates, even in matters of sexuality and all of those things. We belong to him. He bought us at a high cost of his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross of Calvary. Um, um, 
I've, this whole authority thing is important to me as I conduct ministry outwardly from uh, when I'm engaging people about the Lord Jesus Christ. It almost always comes up. By what authority? You, know? you have your view and I have mine. Yes, but it's my view is not my view. I say, I don't, I didn't make up any views on this. I borrowed one. It's from the word of God. Where did you get yours, I asked them. They can't answer. But we have that kind of situation in the United States right now. Does anybody get the same feeling that I do? That the land is, to use the phraseology of this passage, the land is about to vomit us out. When our culture is taken over by perverted sexuality, not healthy sexuality, by perverted sexuality. Look at the TV. Look at my Facebook page. Do you guys get those little things about these, like these things that come in automatically from wherever they come from? Uh, these, uh, what do they call those? I forget what they call them. I don't care. But every time I go in there another time, you know, every time I go to my Facebook page, boom, there's that thing. And it's all about women undressing and all this kind of stuff. And I have to click it and kill it and say, uh, uh, report this thing. And they said, well, we'll take care of that later, it says. I can't even operate a computer without, having, uh, without being inundated with pornography. Wow. What kind of a day do we live in? I have asked my computer specialist, tell me how to get rid of that. And they tell me, good Christian men tell me, there's no way, sorry to tell you. Because I don't own Facebook. Maybe that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a project to own Facebook. <laughs> I'll put a stop to all of that and then Facebook would die, right? Because everything... Everything today is built on a kind of a sexual, uh, 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 whatever you want to call it, advertising, everything. You can't watch, hardly watch TV anymore, especially the ads and stuff. And, you know, it's really hard to tolerate. I'm still waiting for the invention. One of you might be working on this. That when it when the program goes to uh, when I, that I'm watching goes to a break, my screen goes black, and there's no sound. See, be working on that. I pay big bucks for that, okay? <laughs> because I'm getting sick of it. I get really sick of it. Uh, uh, you know, I came from the era where cigarettes were banned. You remember, cigarettes used to be all over the media and stuff. And um, uh, pell-mell and all that kind of good stuff. By the way, I go, I go back to the 40s if you... <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, uh, 
that we live in a mess in a society that makes its own rules and has its own standards and can do whatever they please because they're not looking to any objective source of morality, any objective source of authority. So if we have one thing in our church, it is that. Our authority is the infallible, eternal word of God. Thanks be unto God for that, eh? And if you order your life in accordance with these standards, God will bless that life. And so we have every authority and every instruction from the word of God of how to conduct ourselves in the real world, how to avoid the sins of the United States and uh, 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 various other places who, soon, who seem to accept any kind of behaviors as long as whatever, they enjoy them or something, I don't know. But it, 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 since when is it necessary for God to write this or have this written by Moses? Nor shall you mate with any animal. Since when does God have to do that? But that's the nature of sin. It's perverse. Awful. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It's perversion. This is God having to write about stuff that we find a little bit embarrassing. And rightly so. <laughs> That's pretty embarrassing, isn't it? Do people do that? I'm afraid the answer is yes. Wow. But do not defile yourselves with any of these things, for by all these things the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. Verse 24. For the land is defiled, therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. And that's the reason I mentioned earlier, and just as a matter of... Uh, thinking about our own country. But I'm remembering also uh, when uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and as uh, Abraham is, was it Abraham was debating with the angels about, uh, the angel of the Lord about, what if there's 10 people <laughs> uh, left or something like that who are righteous? Thanks be unto God that there are righteous people in our country one of them is Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, yeah, I'm just giving you a report from the news this morning. He is the, he is the coach of, uh, he is the head coach of the uh, Baltimore Ravens. And he opened his uh, press conference with a scripture reading. Because Jim's a Christian man. That's good, isn't it? And who, who would have known Baltimore Ravens, as I said, <laughs> the last we knew was the Colts. 
that was 1960s or something like that. But we have some, we have some standards. We have some guidances from the word of God. We have the authority of the holy God of the universe. He is our sole authority. And we're not going to rebel against that authority. Don't do it. Don't fight authority because authority always wins. Especially that objective and holy source of authority, God. These are good things. They're awful to read sometimes, but if you look underneath and you start looking at what the text is about, that is to say, here, a strong element of authority, I am the Lord your God, I am the Lord your God, I am the Lord your God, repeated time after time. That is the standard. We are to follow him because is the Lord our God. And so, we find here God's management or expected our management of our lives in regards to these sexual issues that we read about. Hard reading sometimes. Hard to argue sometimes with unbelievers. But we have solid guidance from the word of God. Let's be done with this. And next week, oh, uh, uh, I, no, I already mentioned, this is moral evil, and there is no ritual uh, that will cleanse it. No matter what the Catholics say, there's no ritual that will clean moral evil. You know how to clean moral evil. Confess it and turn from it. It's called repentance. It is the one and only way to cleanse moral evil. And the promise is, you do that, I declare you clean. Isn't that wonderful? It is wonderful. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we speak of your imputation of righteousness to us, that we're seen as righteous by the eyes of the Lord. We know that we are not perfect and we are not sinless, but we are seen as righteous by the imputation of Christ's righteousness. And we rejoice in that reality. And we ask your uh, help in our minds and hearts to order our lives according to your authority, which is here planted in the word of God from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. All of it is in accordance with your holy will. Bless us, give us insights into it as you would have us to live. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.